0: together and to, uh, to lift up God. There are a lot of things, as you can see, as you're coming in, and a lot of things going on in the life of the church, and uh, that just makes it more exciting, right? And it's a great day to be together and to, uh, to give our love to God. So uh, I want to invite you, if you would, to uh, join me in the call to worship. So if you'd uh, stand and join me in our call to worship. Doors open, hearts ready, God beckons. May your soul find communion here.
1: Searching for honesty for truth spoken in love.
0: May your faith be challenged here.
1: Looking for a place to offer your time and balance.
0: May your spirit enrich this community.
1: Searching for joy to blossom and hope to grow.
0: May our songs reach the heavens. Touch our hearts and spread love into the world. Take my life and let it be. Let's sing together. and worship you more deeply. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we're starting a, a new thing that will be a part of our worship, and it's to emphasize our past. I think you've heard me talk about this, or maybe you read it in some uh, letter that i put out. out um, pray, engage, give, serve. Those are our pegs, our foundation points, what we stand on, what it means to be part of the of the community of faith. And so each uh, week we'll share uh, ways and means and ways that we can pray for one another, ways we can engage in community, which is all more important these days, our engagement, because it happens in so many different ways. Encourage one another to, uh, to give, and we give, you know, in the baskets that we have as you're coming in and out or online for those who want to engage that way digitally and the giving online and we always are talking about ways in which we uh, can can serve. This week um, we're uh, focusing in on our our covenant commitments and what it is to be part of the community of faith. You probably or hopefully have gotten something either snail mail, electronic mail, or on our website uh, with letters and um, and a, a, a process by which you can engage this week in making a covenant uh, commitment. If you haven't got that or haven't seen it, it means you're hiding from us and haven't given us your, con- your connection information. And so you wanna be sure to uh, go on the website or call the church office and make sure that that happens because what we're asking you to do is to uh, engage with your uh, commitment, your, your commitment to a covenant relationship in the church and, um, and to do that this week Uh, on or before next Sunday, and that will again be a part of what we do uh, next Sunday. So pray, engage, give, serve. That's what we do day in, day out as part of the community of faith, and we'll be sharing in those areas each time we gather for, for worship. Amen.
2: Good morning, I'm Pastor Lisa, and if you'll bow your heads and pray with me this morning. You have made for, uh, for us yourself, oh God. You have called us to be your covenant people. You've called us to be a people set apart. And we're set apart not for privilege, but for service. Not for special rights, but for responsibility. Our loyalty is to you and your kingdom. Our values and priorities, our pursuits and passions are to reflect your heart. A heart of love for the poor. A heart of justice for the maligned. A heart of compassion for the broken. As we worship you this morning, transform us, merciful Savior in those places where we are still attracted to the culture's agenda of power and money and beauty and influence, save us from serving unworthy gods, from chasing after fleeting affections, from investing our days in the temporary rather than the eternal. Thank you for the call to be yours and for the grace to live that call. We pray as your son taught us to, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen.
0: As we continue in an attitude of prayer, this is a special day of remembering those saints that have gone before us, and in particular, lifting up those who have passed in the last year. So let us bow our hearts as we remember Lillian Di Nicola, Norv Newland, Ray Harrell, Enid Phillips, Paula Sue Whitney. Sue Galloway, Pat Jennings, Paul Waddles, Carolyn Hainline, Norma Calamito, Kurt Skeleton. And let us also remember those that we name in our hearts this day. Oh Lord, we pray a prayer of gratitude for these lives that you have touched our lives with, that you have touched us with love and generosity through these wonderful people that have followed you and given their lives lord we pray that you would continue to fill us with love not just with memories but with joy and love and peace because of the relationships that we have shared in jesus name we pray amen amen Let us stand as we sing together. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. be seated. The gospel lesson today comes to us from Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 38. As he was teaching, Jesus said, watch out for the legal experts. They like to walk around in long robes. They want to be greeted with honor in the markets. They long for places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes, and to show off, they say long prayers. They will be judged most harshly. Jesus set a cross from the collection box for the temple treasury and observed how the crowd gave their money. Many rich people were throwing in lots of money. One poor widow came forward and put in two small coins, copper coins worth a penny. Jesus called his disciples to him and he said, I assure you, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than anyone who's been putting money in the treasury." All of them are giving out of their spare change. But she, from her hopeless poverty, has given everything she had, even what she needed to live on. Amen. Amen. Most gracious God, may the example that Jesus lifted up and may the words of Jesus teach us this day Amen and amen. So I, I know you've probably been in a store where when you're checking out, they, uh, they say, well, you want to round that up for such and such a charity? You want to do this for, for this charity or for, for that? And, and, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to look bad because that sounds like a good charity, even though we have no idea what it really does or is. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, we can add a few pennies. Or sometimes we might just get a little annoyed. And no, 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 that's okay. I I, I give other places, you know, but there's always that rounding up, that rounding up, taking this, that little bit of change. And here's the thing. If, you know, we're at a store and we're buying something and it costs, you know, $14.47, it's not going to change our lifestyle to give them $15, right? It's not going to change anything at all, you know, but maybe it makes a, a difference, you know, just that little bit of change. Well, that, that rounding up, that, that change for charity or change for change, sometimes you'll hear it say, has produced millions of dollars in our country. Millions of dollars for various large charities that have been able to connect with retailers to do that kind of thing, just getting those, that little bit of change. Change is big business. There's a company called Coinstar, and maybe you've seen Coinstar's machines. They put their machines in in marketplaces and stores and banks and stuff, and they count your change, right? You can go in with your little buckets where you drop your change at home, and you dump it into the CoinStar, and it sorts it, and it counts it, and then it either gives you uh, what old-timers might call flip-flop money, you know, flip-flop money. Not the cling-clangy money, but the flip-flop money, so it might give you money, or it might uh, In today's technology, give you a charged up card, you know, a card with a little bit of of debit cash on it. Um, Or sometimes they'll take the money, they'll say you want to donate to a charity, and you can choose a charity that that your change gets gets donated to. But always, Coinstar takes their cut, right, because they take a a percentage of that. Well, Coinstar annually, annually, does 2.7 billion dollars, of work in just change. That's billion with a B, $2.7 billion annually in just the work of change. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Every little bit makes a difference. The, the widow's mite, that's what we've come to call it, you know, that, that little tiny copper coin, it, it weighs almost nothing. It's barely bigger than your fingertip. I've, I've seen some of them in in museums and, uh, and um, collection kind of stores in, in the Holy Land. And they're these little teeny tiny things, barely any weight. I mean, you could drop them in our offering plate and you'd never know. They wouldn't make a sound. They're just barely anything at all. But it made a difference in the temple because each gift has an impact. Each gift has an impact. But more importantly... Her giving becomes an example of faith as Jesus lifts her up. It makes an example of faith because what Jesus was noticing was the condition of her heart. Because I guarantee you, Jesus sees the heart before he sees our pocketbooks, right? And it was the condition of her heart because giving reflects love. Giving reflects love. And it may have been a little tiny bit. It may have been just a, a, a small portion, but... It reflected something in her life. Jesus is teaching about giving, and giving makes a difference for us. Every little bit makes a difference, and when we do it, it becomes this important part of who we are. And so as Jesus is teaching about money, it raises a question. Well, why do we give? Why do we do it? Why, why do we why give? What's our purpose? What's, what's driving us, us to it? Because Jesus was watching these people as they came by and seeing their motivations. Sometimes we might give to lift ourselves up, right? To, to feel good, to stand above the crowd, to, uh, to get noticed. The, the woman giving her two coins, barely anything, you wouldn't have heard it go in there. But remember, Jesus' time, everything was about coinage. And the more you had, the bigger the coins were, the heavier the coins were. So for many of those folks throwing in their spare change into the collection box, oh, it was making all kinds of banging noises and clanging, and everybody would notice, and everybody would turn and say, who's ringing the bell now, you know? The bell has rung because someone's given big money over there, you know? Is that why we give? Is that what's motivating us? Or maybe what motivates us is because, you know, it's just a nice thing to do. It's nice to do. We have disposable income. Yeah, you can... Round it up to the next dollar amount at the register when you go out. That's nice. That's that's kind. We have disposable income, but it's not going to change our lifestyle at all. But what Jesus holds up is this lady. This lady giving her two little coins. Do we give to honor God? Do we give as a reflection of the depth of our love for God and our love for God's people and God's community? Do we give as a reflection of, of who we are? Because here's the thing. When we give, we give to honor God. When we give it for those purposes, it trains us. It's like this practice. It's like this training for love and generosity. It's, it's, it's this exercise that forms in us something that is more like God, more generous, more giving. Because here's the thing. We were designed for giving it's in our DNA, it's in our blood work, it's in who we are, it's in the very character we are. We were designed, we were created for giving, because the scripture says, right, made in God's image, and is not God generous? God is excessively generous, giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. So if we are made in God's image, we were made to be givers, and so the giving The giving of ourselves, the giving of our finances is this practice, is this exercise that forms our character around generosity. And so again, we have to ask what drives us when it comes to giving, what drives us? Does our lifestyle inform our giving or does our giving form our lifestyle? Does giving, does our lifestyle inform our giving? Or does our giving inform our lifestyle? As Jesus said, you can't have it both ways. Who's going to be first? You can't love both. Who's going to be first? What's going to be the focus? There's a book called The Paradox of Generosity, done by a group of sociologists, you know, sociologists doing their studies and looking at what people do. And so they did this social scientific uh, experiment, and the evidence that it produced was that generosity leads to happier, healthier, more fulfilled, more prosperous, more purposeful life. Yes, giving and generosity actually makes us happier and healthier. So they looked at different practices of generosity Financial giving, giving your money as generosity. Volunteering, giving of your, your gifts and your talents and your abilities. Relational generosity, having time for others, putting your time aside for other people. And what they called neighbor generosity or neighborly generosity, which is about being hospitable and being helpful. And they, they said that, you know, these go together. It's not like you can choose one. It was like, well, I'm just going to be a helpful kind of person, but all the money stays in my bank account, you know. No, but you do them all together, the the complete package of generosity. And those that exhibited or practiced this complete package of generosity, it produced five outcomes in our lives. Greater personal happiness, physical health. Yes, giving actually makes you physically healthier. A sense of purpose, avoidance of depression, and personal growth. Folks, we spend all kinds of money. We spend big money on mental health, don't we? We spend big money on personal growth and self-help and what can we do to help ourselves. We spend big money on diets and medications and doctors to find our own sense of physical health. We spend big, big money on exercises and exercise programs and coaches and exercise equipment that sits in our home and does a great job job of drying the laundry when we hang it on it, right? You know, we spend big money as a culture, as individuals, too, on this kind of stuff to be healthier and to be more... And it all starts with simply being generous and giving. This is how we were created to be, to to hoard and be stingy is like swimming upstream. We were created for generosity and that's what reflects our love for God because it reflects God's love. Hebrews 13.5 says it like this, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Giving keeps our relationships in order. Yeah, giving makes our hearts physically healthier, makes our character healthier. You know, it it does something for us personally, but it also makes our relationships healthier. For me, I know that the practice of giving, the practice of giving is form something in me that creates a proper relationship with money and a proper relationship with money because I had an improper relationship with money exemplified for me in a, and an encounter I had, oh, this is more than 20 years ago probably. This is back in the time when, when a computer broke down. You actually had it repaired because it was a big investment, you know, and you went to the repair shop to get it fixed. These days, you know, your computer breaks down or it slows up. You just get another one, you know. But this was back in the time when computers were, were expensive and you, you had it fixed and my computer had a problem. And I went to this uh, young guy uh, running his own computer repair thing. And, of course... You know, if you want technology fixed, you always go to somebody much younger than you. That's, that's how it works, right? You need to, you, you got to have the young people work on it. And so, and so I gave this guy my computer. It's in his shop, it's, uh, it's looking to be fixed. I'm waiting for it to be fixed. He promises it one day and he's not done. And he promises it another time. He says, well, I'll have it done in another day or two, and it's still not done. And then he promises another day, and I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to call to check if it's done. I'm going to go down there and wait for my computer to be done because I need it back. And so I go down to his office, and lo and behold, he's sitting there on a table working on my computer. I can see pieces of it, you know, all over the place. He says, yeah, 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 I will have it done for you before the end of the day. And I said, well, I'm staying until it's done. It looks like you're working on it. But while I'm sitting there talking to him and we're chatting back and forth, he's taking phone calls. And it's quite obvious from the phone calls that he's actually working as a consultant for technology for business. And so he's actually doing that work. And he says, you know, this is my boss. I got to take this. So he's actually doing something else. But we're also in a store that he's a technology store that he's running. And so anytime a customer comes in, he's taking care of a customer because he owns this technology store. So I said, you got a lot going on. He says, yeah, I owe this sto- own this store, I do repair, and I do uh, consultation. I'm running three jobs. My goal is to retire by the time I'm 45. And I'm running these three jobs right now because I want to retire. It's all about chasing that money. I want to retire by the time I'm 45. I'm like, wow, this, is, you know, and it, this has got to be exhausting. And you can already hear how that's going to take a toll on your physical health, right? So while we're standing there and I'm waiting for my computer to be fixed, this five, six, seven-year-old boy comes in and it's his son. And the words out of the son's mouth "That Mom told me to tell you that we've been waiting in the car more than an hour to go. There's a promised trip with the family that hasn't happened yet. And... Using the boy as a go-between, you tell your mom that I'll be ready when I'm ready, I've got this going on, I've got three things going at the same time, da-da-da-da-da. And mom's sitting in the car with another younger child that she's holding in her arms, waiting for the family trip or excursion or whatever they were going to do. He was busy making his money. He had the store going on, he had me and fixing my computer, he had tech consultation going on. And here's the thing, as a customer, I was not happy. Our relationship had broken down. He had put me off too many times, and I was not happy. I wanted him to go be with his family, but I also wanted my computer. He put me in a difficult situation, and I was not happy. And so our relationship was broken, and I could not recommend him to anybody else. Obviously, his wife was not happy. His wife was downright angry. And so there was something breaking in that relationship. His children were at least disappointed and there was something broken in that relationship. And our relationships can break down when we're focused on the wrong thing. So God gives us this gift, this gift to get things in the right order. And the gift is the call to give. The call to give because it is that exercise, that practice that brings us to a place of generosity and getting the relationships in the right order. It is a guide to our relationships when we give. When our money is given to God, and I'm not talking about just a little bit in the offering plate given to God. I mean all of it given to God and we use it for God's purposes. God made us to be generous. And we were made for generosity. It keeps our relationships right. It keeps us right. It keeps us healthy. And that becomes a reflection of love a reflection of God's love in our lives. It becomes a reflection of love that's seen in the community too because we're part of a community. God is a communal God, and so we live in community. We live in this covenant that we've talked about and shared about and that you've gotten letters from me about when it comes to the the covenant commitment this covenant of love. This is what honors God that we share together, that we give together in this community. We were made for community. This this woman came and she gave those two coins, but it wasn't about the two coins. Jesus said she gave what she had to live on. She gave to a place where it altered her lifestyle. In other words, she was giving to the temple. She was giving to to the spiritual community. She was all in in the spiritual community. She was all in. There was nothing being held back. She was all in, total in, all of it. And she was part of that temple community. Maybe even more so than those that gave out of their discretionary extra money. Giving is part of what it is to be part of the covenant community of faith. And we are blessed here at New Horizon. Oh, are we blessed in this community of faith of New Horizon? of new horizon the the church is emerging in new ways of being the church i know many of you probably remember the days when church only happened on sunday morning right and you only happened when you saw everybody and i mean new horizon 20 years ago had three worship services and sunday school classes and everything on sunday morning and we saw everybody on sunday morning but church is emerging in new ways, and it's not just on Sunday morning, but it's every day in many places, and many locations that that church is, is happening, and people are expressing God's love and, and entering into covenant relationships with one another in the community of faith. The mission and the ministry of New Horizon is expanding. We're collaborating more and more with our neighborhood and our neighbors, as you can see from the, the folks that are out there today and yesterday. Oh, we had this... Big fair out here in, uh, in collaboration with some business partners that have come together. Uh, a little more than a week ago, we were at the West Campus and uh, the, a, a trunk or treat that we collaborated with a number of different entities out there. And just that is expanding. The uh, We've extended our facilities. I can't think of too many other churches that have added two buildings during the COVID era. And Boy, those buildings are expensive, folks. Whew. They're expensive, but new places where we're doing our ministry. And every staff person, every staff person at New Horizon, their job description has changed and evolved in significant ways. And here's the thing. We are blessed to have the right team of people, the right folks from top to bottom, but everybody's job has changed. We're in multiple locations, including the digital location. Producing more ways for people to engage in their spiritual lives. More connections. More ways and means that the church is sharing its love. And it is so much more than what one person can see from one vantage point at one time during the week. And we have the privilege, the privilege to be a part of what God is doing in this place at this time. And this is what we give to. We're invited to participate in God's generosity. We're invited to participate, to to give in ways that reflect our love, that reflect our connection, that reflect our covenant, that reflect generosity. And all of this honors God honors God because God is at work changing our world. So I mentioned that book, The Paradox of Generosity, and after studying the giving habits of American Christians, they come to this conclusion. If American Christians could somehow find a way to move to practices of reasonably generous giving, they could generate over and above what they currently give a total of another $134.4 billion a year. Just American Christians with reasonable generosity. $134 billion more dollars per year funding all the missions we have going on, all the feeding programs, caring for refugees, Caring for 20 million needy, hungry, and sick children around the world. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that with the generosity of God's love being reflected in us. We get to be a part of what God is doing. What God is doing right here and right now in our part of the world. In connection with all the other Christians in all the other parts of the world. And here's the thing. When we do that, it actually makes us healthier and makes us happier. And puts our relationships in order. When we give with generosity, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Giving is a reflection of love. It forms us. It gets our relationships right. And we get to be a part of God's work. It honors God. And it praises God. And so this week I invite you to respond to the covenant commitment the covenant commitment that that you received or you can access on on our website. And this week, I pray that you'll respond. You'll engage with the community of faith in this way, in a generous way. We invite you to return it this week or on or before next Sunday as we share together. Because God has designed us for this, made us for this, and given His one and only Son for us to have this kind of wonderful, holistic, blessed life. Amen and amen. Most gracious God, thank you for the gift of the call to give that grows in us generous hearts and forms our characters and forms our lifestyles. Thank you for loving us this much to give us this gift. Amen. And amen. We're going to turn now to uh, responding to God's words with uh, Holy Communion. I invite you to uh, respond as you see the responses on the screen as we as we bow together and share together in the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and and a good thing, always and everywhere, to give our thanks and our praise to you, you, dear God. We remember your love given to us so generously in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray that, um, that as we share together this day, that we will share around this table of your generosity, of your love. And so, Lord, we recognize at this table that this is a table where Jesus lifted the bread and he gave thanks to you and he gave it to his followers and he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup and he gave thanks to you and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and drink from this, all of you. This is my cup of the new covenant, my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in remembrance of these, your, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we now offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving that we might be for the world, the body of Christ that has been redeemed by His blood. By Your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in mission and ministry to the world. Let Your Spirit move across these elements that they may truly be for us, this body and this blood. And may we rise up from this table to be reflections of your love and the generosity of our lives. Amen. Amen. This is the Lord's table, and everyone is welcome to receive. Uh, Pastor Lisa and I will bring you communion where you sit in the uh, prepackaged uh, elements. But these, this is a time of Holy Communion where everyone is welcome to receive. Lord we are grateful for your generous love that you have offered to us in your one and only son. And so Lord may we may we eat and drink and remember you and and your sacrifice, but even more than remember Lord may we be filled with a power and a grace. May we be filled with forgiveness and peace. May our souls and our hearts cry out for justice and generosity. And Lord, may our lives reflect this sacrifice, reflect your love, reflect your generous grace. Amen and amen. Let us stand as we sing together, O Master, let me walk with Thee. Go now with the blessing and the assurance of the love of God. Go now with generous hearts to reflect the love of God in a hurting world. Amen and amen.
1: So may your spirit go before